You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Well, I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. First time in a while that I haven't said turn to the book of Romans. So that feels a little bit strange to us, which is great. Welcome Siena, Cyprus, downtown, digital family, Loop, everybody, radio ministry as well. Just so glad that everybody is connected. We are starting a verse or a series called My Life Verse. And what we're going to do is we're going to take this series for about seven weeks. It's going to be an awesome series. I'm going to kick off the first two, and then we're going to hear from different guest speakers and folks that uh, are just going to do a great job while I'm on a sabbatical for a few weeks. And so you can pray for me on that. So this week and next week I'll be here, and then we'll start our sabbatical after that, which would be great. So my life verse is where we're going to be, and it's going to be an awesome time. So here's what I want you to know. We've got a couple goals, okay? Now this series, you got some homework. I know school's over. But you're going to have to take this series and say, okay, let me think about this. Let me ponder this and let me investigate this a little bit more of what I want in my life and how God wants to speak to me. So each one of our guest speakers will be speaking on their life verse, which I think is going to be really amazing to hear from their heart. What's a verse that's been really special to them and to be able to share that. This week, I'm going to share my life verse with you. And then next week, I'm going to send, share with you my ministry life verse. So a verse that just something from my ministry that I've really had. And hopefully that won't be something you're like, we just don't see that. We've never noticed that in 20 years coming out of you. Hopefully you'll be like, that's a great life verse for you. We've seen that. We've watched that happen in your life and in our church, which is great. Now, here's a couple goals that we have. Before we jump to 2 Timothy, then we're going to jump from there to my life verse, okay? So you're going to give me a little time. we got a big intro coming, then we're going to jump in. I want to set the stage for the series. First of all, we've got a couple goals. Now, our goals are that everyone would have a life verse. Some of you already got one, which is great. Some of you are like, I'm not sure I want one. I don't know what this really means yet. I'm just checking it out for a little bit. The first thing is, our first goal is that we would all have this summer, we would have a life verse verse, a verse that we take into our hearts and say, this is, this is the one I want on my refrigerator. This is the one I want to really live by. Secondly, that we would share it. We'd share it with somebody. We're going to have a lot of different ways for you to share your life verse. I'll give you that in just a little bit. Well, let me actually, I'll put it up for you right now. You can text verse to 44322, and it'll give you some information about a life verse and that QR code as well. And It'll give you all that, but you'll be able to submit your life verse as well so that we can have that and you can see that and we can display that if that's what you allow us to do. So we want to share it. We want to show it because this means something to us. We asked our deacons, we asked some volunteers, we asked our staff, what's your life verse? And we already started getting submissions. Here's just some reasons why this is a life verse on this thing of sharing it. One person put this about their life verse. They said, because the world is behaving in crazy ways and all the information we get from the media and TV is all different teachings, I want my wisdom to come from God. So James 1.5 was their life verse. Jeremiah 29.11 was a lady's life verse. And here's what she said. I'm a special needs mom to an adult child and will be for the rest of his life. And Jeremiah 29.11 is her life verse that she said, I need that verse. 
Someone on our staff said this, our family has experienced great loss in recent years. And this verse has been a reminder that my story is still being written with chapters ahead that will require me to love and comfort others in a way I never could have without the chapters we are currently living in. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. John 15, 5, a person said this, my constant reminder is to constantly plug into God and the rest and rest in his assurance that he will accomplish his purposes and his ministry in my life. So these life verses are something we want to share to give an encouragement to somebody else. And then our third goal is this, that we would be an inspiration to others. Wasn't that inspiring just to hear those verses from those people, just to hear the reason why and go, wow, that I I got that. I'm connected with that person that way. We want to inspire others with that. So I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. We're just going to hit it real quick. Then we're going to jump into my life verse in just a second. But I want to set the stage for you. And here's what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. We'll put it up on the screen for you as well. All scripture is inspired by God. So when we're talking about a life verse of scripture, all scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. So that the man, obviously the woman as well, of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we know that, as it says in the beginning of the scripture, that all scripture is amazing. And here's what's going to happen in our church. We're going to have life verses from all different books of the Bible. I don't know if we'll hit all 66. If you've got one that's your life verse from Leviticus, please tell us, okay? Just tell us, because we're going to have a lot from Philippians. I know that. But will we get any from Leviticus? I'm not sure. So please tell us, or Deuteronomy, something like that. So let us know. But we're going to have all over the place, we're going to have verses this summer from all over the Bible, because all Scripture is inspired. All scripture is from God. This is the word of God. It's not just a best-selling book. It is the word of God. God speaking to us. And that's why we say in our church, we are a relevant biblical community. We want to turn to the Bible. So you've got some homework this summer to find a life verse, and we're going to find it throughout our church. And Siena, it's going to be different than Cyprus, and Cyprus different than downtown, and online different than on campus. It's going to be great to see this mosaic of all these life verses. So all scripture is an inspired word of God. So having a life verse does not negate the rest of the word of God. So I've got a life verse, and you're going to see mine just a little bit. It's not even that long. And I still love the entire Word of God. So don't get, well, I don't want to take out a verse too high because all the Scripture. Awesome. If your life verse needs to be all 66 books, that's great. It's just going to be hard to remember it, all right? So let's have a life verse. Now, what is a life verse? Let me give you just a a, a paragraph, a sentence or two on that. A life verse is a verse or a short passage from the Bible that has special meaning to you or speaks to you in a personal way. You may find yourself turning to it often. You may find it in your thoughts often. You may find it to be a guiding principle in your life as you make decisions and discern what path to take. So a life verse is something that's special to you, that's your verse that you go, yes, this one means something to me. Now there's about 31,000 verses in the Bible, okay? 
31,102, if you want to get exact. 23,145 in the Old Testament, 7,957 in the New Testament. So if we put it in just round numbers, we've got 31,000 verses in the Bible, 23,000 in the Old Testament, and about 8,000 in the New Testament. So you got a garden to choose from. You got a lot to pick from, which is great. Now, let me give you a few discovery questions. If you look in your listening guide here, as we're setting this whole thing up, you're going to want to keep this piece of paper. Cypress, Siena, downtown, keep this piece of paper because I've got four discovery questions, but let me give you the blanks first for all the type A's because I don't want to miss those. Here it is. If you're ignorant of God's word, you will be ignorant of God's will. Isn't that great? If you're ignorant of God's word, you will be ignorant of God's will. Billy Graham, not quite a Bible verse, but you know, Billy's close, right? Ignorant of God's word, you will be ignorant of God's will. So we want to have a verse. We want to have something that we take that's ours. Now, let me give you four diagnostic questions. How do you pick a life verse? Here's a four questions, and then I'll give you a couple more things, and we'll jump in a little bit further. Number one, what verse of Scripture is a deep encouragement to you? What verse of Scripture is a deep encouragement to you? Something you go, you know what, that that really hits me, and it may hit you, it may not hit your neighbor quite the same, but what verse of Scripture is a deep encouragement to you? Number two, what verse of Scripture encourages your passion for Christ? What verse of Scripture encourages your passion for Christ? You read it and you go, yes, that's really good. That's really good. What verse of Scripture? Right now I'm memorizing, uh, it's not my life verse, but John chapter 16, verse 33, and it says this, I've said all these things to you so that you may have peace in me. In this world you will have suffering, but be courageous for I have overcome the world. That's a great encouragement of my passion for Christ this week as I've read that and just put that in my mind. In Him, I have peace. Yeah, the world's gonna be tough, but be courageous. It stoked my passion this week for Christ. Is there a verse of Scripture that's done that for you? Number three, what verse of Scripture do you want to see or have seen lived out in your life? Is there a verse of Scripture that you want to see or you have seen lived out in your life? Some of you, your life has been perseverance, What verse have you seen in your life just bubble up to the top? Number four, just to put it as easy as possible, what verse of Scripture would you like quoted at your funeral or wear as a piece of jewelry? What verse of Scripture, when we stand up for your funeral, for your celebration of life service, what verse do you want to be on that cover? What verse do you want to be spoken about? What verse would you put on a piece of jewelry that would be like, that sums it up for me? Those four questions are good things. Now, let me just give you a couple freedoms. It doesn't have to be a life verse, though that's a whole series we're talking about. It may be just for a season, because I know some of you are like, for my whole life, I have to pick it today? I'm not that good at decision-making. I'm not sure I want to do that. It can be your life verse for now, and if you want to change it to a new one in the fall, that's fine, okay? But you just keep having that verse, okay? So don't put any stress on yourself. It can be aspirational that you say, I really want this to be a great thing. This is what I'm shooting for. Or it can be something that's a little bit more actual in your life. Asked a friend, I said, what's your life first? He said this, oh man, mine is, mine's easy. And I said, what is it? And he says, Lord, I have faith, but increase my faith. I thought that was really good. Lord, I have belief, but increase my belief. He was like, my authentic is, I struggle with doubt at times, and I need it. I got a seed of it, but I need more of it, God. 
So that's good. That's okay. That's a very kind of where you are in life type of thing. So don't let this be a burden. Let this be a freedom. Let me give you a couple more things, then we're going to jump in to my life first. But I want to give you a good background. Here's what it is. Now, how do you do this? What are some action steps with these four questions? One, process these questions prayerfully. That's why you have them printed out. didn't even make you fill in a blank. And take this and put it in your Bible, put it on your nightstand, put it by your mirror in your bathroom and pray through these. Lord, what is a deep encouragement to me? Lord, what, what really helps me with my passion for Christ? What do you, do you if I've seen lived out my life, what I want to see lived out my life? And really pray through these things. Parents, I just gave you an incredible dinner exercise for this evening. For you to sit down with your kids and say, hey, when Pastor Greg was talking about that, did anything come to mind and to have a conversation with your kids or your spouse, or friends, or whatever it is, but kids in particular with your family, this is a dinner exercise for you to ask the what and the why. Why would that be your life first to little Johnny? Ask a trusted friend, what, what, do you, what do you think? What have you seen in my life? Or when you really sense something in your life, just Google, you can do it on Google, just search a biblical theme. If you're like, you know, I really want a life verse on peace, just put peace in there and it'll give you all these Bible verses on peace. Uh, put it on trust, put it on perseverance, put it on faith, on humility, on impact, whatever it is. And just get 25 verses and read through them and go, that's the one or that's the three. Let me pray about those three and then really be able to get that. So you got homework here as we're going through. Now that I've given you all of this, I put the ball on the tee. You're going to knock it off. It's going to be great. Let me give you my life verse. Okay. This is my life verse. I can't think of when I came up with it. I mean, obviously I didn't come up with it. When I found the verse and took it as my life verse. I can't really remember. I do remember this. I remember in college that I would always have a baseball cap on, good college way to do. And so I'd always have a baseball cap on. And what I would do is I would write in the underside bill of the cap, I would write down a Bible verse. It was kind of the Bible verse that was really in my heart. And I found as I got, my caps got sweatier and worse and worse throughout the summer, I'd get another cap. I'd find I'd keep writing this same verse down. And it would sit in the bill of my hat. So if I ever took off my hat, I would see it there. Uh, when I was a camp counselor, it hung in my, my uh, bunk bed, had a little nail there I could hang my hat and I could see my Bible verse on the bill of my hat. So I just started writing it down and I remember putting it in the bill of my cap. Then I remember putting it on my speaking resume when I would travel and speak. I had a little resume that somebody could, could you know, get and they could look and see how awesome I was, right? And I had this little thing here on the Bible. verse. I put that Bible verse on the bottom of my resume there. And the reason I had it, it increased humility, it increased eternal impact, peace in my life, submission in my life, understanding who I was in Christ, and it decreased selfishness and pride. And so this life verse was a great one. My life verse is John chapter 3, verse 33. We're going to ramp up to it. Verse 26 is where we're going to start. But 3 verse 30 is this. John chapter 3, verse 30 is this. He must increase and I must decrease. That a good one? I think it's a good one. I like that one. I like that one best. That's why it's mine. And you can pick it too if you want to, but I want you to do your homework before you just go, I'll take that one, right? He must increase, I must decrease. It's a great verse for me on being a dad. Great verse on being a husband. Great verse on being a pastor. Awesome verse on being a Christian. Good verse on being a friend. So let's ramp up to it 
If you'll let me teach you how it gets there, let's look at verse 26, John chapter 3, possibly one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. Why? Because John chapter 3, verse 16 is in there. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We know that verse. It's a sports verse, signs at the game kind of thing. Here we go, but it's more than that. Verse 26. So they came to John and they told him, Rabbi, the one you testified about, and who was with you across the Jordan, that's Jesus, is baptizing and everyone is going to him. John responded, no one can receive anything unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I am, that I said I am not the Messiah, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the groom, but the groom's friend who stands by and listens for him rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. So this joy of mine is complete. Here it is, verse 30. He must increase but I must decrease. John is having his folks come to him. All his people are coming to him. And they're kind of in a little bit of a panic. They're like, hey, you remember that guy that was across the Jordan? Remember that Jesus guy you were talking about so much? Hey, everybody's going to him to be baptized instead of us to be baptized. Here's the way the the message puts it. Well, now he's competing with us. He's baptizing too, and everyone's going to him instead of us. Do you hear the fear here? The disciples are like, wait a minute, he's cutting in on our business. We're the baptism people. We got the camel's hair and the lo- lo- locusts and honey. And now Jesus is over there baptizing. John, you need to know this. And John's like, that is exactly the way it should be. Here's one of the reasons this is the context of my life first. A life of humility and security points to Jesus. A life of humility and security points to Jesus. John had humility in his life, had security in his ministry and life so that he could point to Jesus and say, that's great. I'm not the groom. I'm just a groomsman. I'm not the savior. I'm just the precursor to give word that the savior is coming. John willingly let go of what his disciples were clinging to. John willingly let go of what his disciples were clinging to. And as a believer in Christ, you're going to see people cling to things that God's going to call you to let go of. You're going to want to grab it. And everybody's going to say, wait a minute, why are you letting go of that? And you're going to want, no, I know, I'm not going to let go of it. I'm just going to kind of do this with it. And God's going to say, I want you to do this with it. I want you to let go. I want you to let go of that pain you've been holding so long. I want you to let go of that bitterness that's been in your heart. I want you to let go of that security. I want you to let go because humility and security points to Jesus. And John's whole job was to point to Jesus. Well, how did John turn out? Matthew 11 11 says, I truly tell you this, born among women, there's not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever's least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus says, the greatest man that ever lived was a guy named John the Baptist. If you were to look into John chapter five, verse 35, it says, John was a burning and shining lamp like a lantern. And you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light, but a greater testimony than John's has come because of the works that the Father has given me to accomplish these works. These very works I'm doing testify about me and the Father has sent me. John's a flashlight and Jesus is the sun. 
And so he says, I'm just, just trying to point. Humility and security, John willingly let go of so many things of success, control, and security, and he walked with Jesus. Can I just tell you a time I needed this verse really, really bad in my life? I was just out of college. I was going to seminary, and College Station is where I was living, and Breakaway was just starting to take off. The college ministry had started my apartment. Still going on today, 34 years, years later, which is amazing. So from 12 in my apartment to thousands in the basketball stadium before I came here to be your pastor. And I remember sitting there in a ministry event, and I was there just to participate, just giving support, excited about it. And they got up and they said, we met on Tuesday night with Breakaway at nine o'clock, and it was kind of a uh, non-denominational, everybody coming together. And the guy stood up at this, this event. He said, hey, we've got a new vision. We're going to do something on Thursday nights at 7.30. And what we're going to do, and then he basically described our entire vision. And I was sitting there and I was like, you are ripping us off so bad. And I was so upset in my heart. I wanted to stand up, literally. I didn't, but I wanted to. I wanted to stand up and go, don't go. Breakaway's better. Don't go. Don't go to his thing. Go to my thing. And I just sat there. Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, I cannot believe the rug is being pulled out from under me right here in this moment? Have you ever been in a meeting and your coworker took credit for your idea? You ever been in a situation where somebody got the raise, but you were the one that did the work? You ever been in a situation where they got the thank you and you didn't? You ever been in a situation where you had a great idea and then somebody else came up with a great idea and all of a sudden your great idea is defunct? That's what I felt like in that moment. And I just sat back and I was like, oh Lord. And I said, God, number one, ministry is not a competitive sport. I trust you and you do what you want to do. And God used their ministry, and it was great. It had a season. It had a wonderful time, and God did his work through Breakaway. But that was that moment where I was like, Lord, I need you so bad. And that's where John the Baptist is. Everybody's going to Jesus. And he says, awesome. Whatever will further the gospel, because he knows his role. He's the best man. He's not the groom. He's pointing to the groom. He's pointing to the son. He's pointing to S-O-N and S-U-N. He's pointing and saying, God, I am pointing to Jesus. He's the one that's most important. So I needed that Bible verse in my heart at that time to realize this is not competition. This is for the glory of God and Lord bless him. Do your work and just go for it. And so I just want you to hear from my mouth and our church's heart. We love other churches in town. We love what God's doing in churches in town. We want other churches in town to prosper and ministries to go well. There's millions of people to reach. And so we celebrate God's work in other places because we want Jesus to be lifted up, not just Houston's first to be lifted up, to let God do his work. If you agree with that, will you just applaud with me? Let's just, let's just, we love other ministries, other churches, all campuses, give a little clap. Now, he just points the way. Let me give you a Silly illustration of point in the way. Do you remember the first time you had Chick-fil-A? You might not remember it, but I bet this is how it happened. You were walking through a mall. And there was this restaurant, and you'd never even heard of it. Chick-fil-A? What is that? And there was somebody standing there with a plate out with little toothpicks into these little pieces of chicken. And you walked by because you just thought, well, this is good and I like free. And you took one and you took it and you put it in your mouth and you took about three steps and went, whoa. 
and you turned around and you went from the plate to the register is where you went, right? That's what happens at Costco as well. I know some of y'all just walk around and eat the snacks all day long, but you should go buy something. What they're trying to do is they're trying to get you with that sample to get you hungry enough to get you to the register. John the Baptist is saying there's a Savior coming. There's a Savior coming. I want you to taste how good repentance is. I want you to taste how wonderful baptism is. I want you to taste how amazing the Old Testament leading into the New Testament. But his name is Jesus, and I'm not worthy to untie his sandal. I want you to go to the register and get the whole thing of what God has for you. I mean, waffle fries and a Coke, let's go and get that whole thing. And I'm getting you hungry. They're closed on Sunday. Not going to work. All right. You have to wait till tomorrow. John is just giving the samples. So we get to now to my verse of scripture here of John 3.30, and here's what it says. He must increase, but I must decrease. Let me give it to you in the message. Here's what it says, and then the New Living Translation as well. These are both so good. He must increase, I must decrease. Here's the message version of the Bible. This is the assigned moment for him being John the Baptist, or excuse me, from Jesus, excuse me. This is the assigned moment for Jesus to move into the center while I slip off to the sidelines. Isn't that good? He must increase, I must decrease. This is the moment where Jesus moves to the center and I slip off to the sidelines in my office, at my school, in my grief, in my joy, in my ministry, in my family, in my parenting. This is where Jesus, with all I do with my life, he moves to the center and I just move off to the side. I just, I'm just going off to the side. I just want to keep, I just want to keep pointing to him. Go to the register. He's the register. He's got the menu. I'm just a sample guy. I'm just trying to get you excited and to see how great Jesus Christ is. And isn't that our life as Christians? What are we as Christians? We're just little Christs. Not that we're saviors. We're just pointing to him. We're the aroma of Christ. We're the precursor in the sense of pointing to him and saying, we give this to you. See, joy and purpose is found when Christ increases and I decrease. Joy and purpose is found when Christ increases and I decrease. Here's how the New Living Translation reads it. I, each morning I read out of Chuck Swindoll's Bible for my quiet time and it, it's a New Living Translation. I really like it. Just gives me something new to think about. Here's what it says with John 3, verse 30. Therefore, I am filled with joy at Jesus's success. He must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. Oh, believer in Christ, let God get bigger and bigger in your life and you just get smaller and smaller in your life. And let him become greater and greater because joy and purpose will be found when Christ increases and I decrease. I put a quote for you there from F.B. Meyer. It says this, the only hope of a decreasing self is an increasing Christ. So how do we do this? How do we become less and he becomes more? Well, you make him more and you'll end up becoming less. If you try to just make yourself less, that might be just beat yourself up. That might be false humility. That might just be saying, oh, I'm terrible, I'm terrible, I'm terrible. That's not what it's about. Humility, it's been said, is not thinking uh, less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. See it? Not thinking less of yourself. Oh, I'm so bad, I'm so terrible. It's thinking of yourself less. You go first. That's humility. 
And humility is an attitude that results in an action. So don't work on the action, work on the attitude. Don't work on the making yourself lower, make on this, make, uh, the work on the, the putting Christ higher. And when you put Christ higher, you're gonna end up coming lower. And when you work on the attitude of humility, you're gonna find the action of humility coming out in your life. This verse of scripture is a key verse for me on that, just staying lower and lower and lower. Remember one time when I was traveling speaking because I had such that cool little speaking resume with this wonderful verse at the bottom, I got asked to go on a ski trip, flying out to the ski trip. I I was gonna speak at it and I was praying. I said, Lord, just humble me, just humble me, just humble me. I just wanna be so humble. Dangerous prayer. (laughs) So I got to the house where all these people were staying, all this stuff, a small little college group from a church. And so I got there. And so my place to sleep wasn't a very good place to sleep. And I ended up in the hallway with my jeans rolled up, laying in the hallway, freezing. It's cold in Colorado. And so I'm freezing there with my jeans rolled up with no pillow. And then I was like, Lord, this is, I'm here. And then I thought, I prayed to be humble, didn't I, the whole trip. I was like, Lord, please stop, please stop. I'm humble, I'm humble, I'm humble. (laughs) Sometimes you just need to sleep with your jeans as a pillow in the hall to be reminded that's really what you want in your heart. It's really what you want in your heart. Let Christ be big. Let him be big. How does he increase and we decrease? Give you a couple things and we're done. Right here in your listening guide. Number one, pray specifically for it. Just pray this prayer. I wrote it down for you. Lord, I ask that you would increase and I would decrease. Just pray that. Lord, I ask that you would increase and I would decrease. Just not because I'm beating myself up, not because I'm so terrible, not because I got bad self-esteem, but I have such great God esteem. I want you, Lord. I just, you're big. You're amazing. You're eternal. You're the one that does this. I'm just a vapor. You increase, Lord, and I'll decrease. Number two, don't fight against it. When it begins to happen, don't fight against it. Roll up your jeans and sleep on the floor and let God do that. Number three, spending time and placing trust in Christ, not in yourself. Basically, you work on increasing Christ and decreasing of yourself will naturally happen. How do you end silence? You turn up the volume. How do you end darkness? You turn up the lights. And if we spend time turning up the volume of Christ, we'll begin to silence our selfish desires. And if we begin to turn on the lights of Christ, we'll begin to extinguish the darkness of our own life. And let that be something that happens in your life. We need it in our parenting. We need it in our relationships. We need it in our jobs, in our church, in our families, in our attitude, in our hearts, that Christ is supreme. So my life verse, I'm just sharing it with you. You're gonna get to come up with your own life verse. But I wanna tell you mine. May he increase and may I decrease. Years ago, I prayed this prayer, probably 20 years ago. Lord, let my name be misspelled, forgotten, and mispronounced. Do you know how many Greg Mott, M-O-T-T, I've had in my life? You know how many Greg Matties I've had? I've been introduced. I've been speaking someplace. The guy's like, man, we've been wanting to get this guy for a while. This Greg Matty from Third Baptist Dallas, he's amazing. And I just sit back and go, ah, it's not real good for selling books, I want you to know, or you know, being remembered on a podcast, but it, it's good for my heart. It's good for my heart. It's not about me. It's not about you. Never going to be about you. Never going to be about me. 
May he increase, may I decrease, may my name, may your name be misspelled, mispronounced, and forgotten so that the name of Jesus may be remembered. The earth revolves around the sun. The sun doesn't revolve around the earth. And many of us as believers, we're fighting to get the S-O-N to revolve around us. And I'm just telling you, you revolve around him and you're gonna have joy, you're gonna have peace, you're gonna have impact. It's gonna be a whole lot better. It's gonna still be painful. Still gonna hurt at times, but God's gonna use you. What's your life verse? What could it be? What will it be this summer? How will you discover it? What will you go through? What will you go through these processes? Will you spend time with these questions and these thoughts even today to find your life first? Let me show you one last illustration. When you open up the doors of my office to walk out of my office into kind of where my assistants are, you walk in, I walk out there, out of the doors of my office. This is what meets you at the wall. He must increase, but I must decrease. That's the first thing I see when I walk out of my office. He must increase, I must decrease. Used to be at the bottom of our staircase when you come downstairs. And there it was, this very picture. You know where I got this picture? You gave it to me. That was a gift from the church on my one year anniversary as your pastor. And you gave it as a gift. Yeah, thank y'all. You gave it as a gift to me and Kelly our family, and said, we want you to have this on that one-year anniversary Sunday. You gave us that, that picture right there. And it hangs in my office so I could see it every single day. And downtown campus, I got kind of fun news for you. It's in the lobby today at the downtown campus. So you could see it. And next week, we're going to move it to Cyprus, and you can see it there as well, that very picture. In Siena, there's so much construction going on, we didn't have a place to put it. So that's why you don't have it coming to you. We'd have to hang it on a construction fence in Siena and it'd get ruined. So downtown today, next week in Cyprus is where it'll be. But I got it there because that's my life first. It means something to me. It's special to me. What verse will you frame? Parents, how can you help your kids to discover that? Talk to them about it. Every verse is God-inspired and profitable for teaching and improving and correcting and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God would be fully equipped for every good work. Give you just a couple quotes, we're done. Charles Ryrie, the Bible is the greatest of all books. To study it is the noblest of all pursuits. To understand it is the highest of all goals. D.L. Moody, I never saw a useful Christian who was not a student of the Bible. Charles Spurgeon, some people like to read so many chapters every day, which is great. I would not dissuade them from that. But I'd rather think about a life verse. I'd rather lay my soul a soak in a half a dozen verses all day than to rinse my hands with several chapters. Oh, to be bathed in the text of scripture and let it be sucked up into your very soul till it saturates your heart. Find your life verse and let it soak you and saturate you. So 20 plus years later, in my context, you still hadn't gotten over it and it hangs on the wall. What's yours? What's yours? That's where we're going this summer.
Next week, my ministry life first. But you investigate your personal life first. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that you are amazing. You're great. You're just too much, really. And we just say to you, Lord, we need you. So help us to pick our life first. Help us to know what it is, God. Let us do that homework to get something in us, to guide us like a lighthouse. Father, if there's anybody that has not trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, then their verse is John 3, 16. For whosoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. And so we pray if anybody today in our church doesn't know Christ, they would come today and say, I need a relationship with Jesus. For those that are walked away, let them repent and come home. Those of us, just many of us are just walking with you, just trying, we're not perfect, but we're, we're trying. Increase in our life, Lord. Show us the verse you have for us. We love you, God. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.